Hi there, FPL managers. Welcome to the fifth episode of the FPL Optimized podcast. This is the podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. I'm Bas, the casual manager, and my co-host is Sertop, the data scientist. Data or grass, or data and grass, that's the question. We took a break last week, but the week felt kind of empty without it. So here we are again, uh, back for another episode. Today, we'll mostly be reviewing the previous season again, as Sertop added some great new analysis to his website, fploptimized.com. And furthermore, we'll be answering several questions which we received on Twitter. Thanks for that. But first of all, Sertop, how's life without FPL for you at the moment? A bit mixed. I'm enjoying the break, but also missing that excitement and, you know, disappointment FPL brings every week. I love Postseason, though, uh, it gives me plenty of time to analyze my season a bit deeper, which I wasn't able to do. Mm-hmm. And we also collect lots of data points during the season. And usually you don't have enough time to organize, clean, and understand what data tells you. So the postseason is great for that purpose. So I'm enjoying it, but also missing FPL. But how about you, Bas? Have you missed FPL yet? Uh, yeah, so I'm enjoying the break, but uh, you know, as we're recording these podcasts, uh, FPL hasn't been much uh, out of my mind yet. Uh, I'm consuming less content though, even though I did go through your analysis, of course. And yesterday I also listened to another podcast, which was uh, the always cheating one. Uh, if you guys are listening, it was a it was a good one, really interesting. Uh, they were, for example, talking about different pricing strategies FPL could be adopting. Uh, so after listening to it, I'm quite looking forward to the moment the FPL uh, app will open up again so we can see what's in store for the new season. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're right. Let's still talk a little bit about the previous season. Um, as you said, during the season, we rush from one game week to the next one. So we should enjoy the calm period now for a bit of reflection. Uh, I saw that you did a thorough an- analysis of uh, the applied ship strategies by several top performing managers. Uh, what can you tell us about that? And what were some of the main learnings from it? Yeah, let me start with talking about why I'm particularly interested in chips uh, first. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people who are listening to us the first time, I'm trying to utilize analytics and data to automate decision-making in FPL. Mm-hmm. And I know this might sound a little bit <laughs> annoying <laughs> at first. I have good reasons. And it might also sound as some kind of cheating too. But, uh, you know, variance in FPL is quite big. So even if you have the best strategy ever, it won't be enough to give you no. a win in FPL. Yeah. So I'm trying to see what data tells us in terms of optimal decision making. Because, mm-hmm. of, as you know, there are also similar... Uh, attempts to solve other games like chess so i'm kind of interested in fpl from that perspective and chips is an interesting aspect of fpl because it's so hard to automate so Uh i'm trying to understand how you know successful managers or engaged managers as we call it they uh, spend a good amount of time to understand uh, how these chips can be played uh, right. better. For example, we all follow what Magnus Carson does every week, every game week. For it. And so I'm trying to see if we can learn from 
what he does, if there's any pattern among, you know, top performing managers and if we can analyze their decision making so that it can benefit us. Okay. So that's uh, Magnus Carlsen as in the, the chess champion? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's a nice benchmark. <laughs> <laughs> he is pretty good at FPL. Yeah, he... no, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, so yeah, what what can we tell then from the decisions they they made? Uh, only looking at their their chip strategies and transfers. So let me tell you that it's probably not enough to just check chips and transfers because you don't really know you know what was going through their heads when they made a certain decision, like if they took mm. let's say ownership into consideration or if they checked any prediction data, for example. But yeah. so as probably consistent with our you know main message of this podcast, the data is useful with a context. So my, the mm. first step is to see there, if there are any outliers in the data. Mm-hmm. For example, if they did something that is slightly or maybe very different from what other managers or the field field did. So yeah. and any slightly different move could be a hint in terms of, you know, how different they are thinking. Okay. And yeah, chips are also quite difficult to understand because sometimes you use your wild card because, you know, you're really mm. angry with your, you know, picks. So it's one yeah. of the most difficult part, one of the most difficult part of FPL to fully automate. And we know there are better ways to use chips. Mm. And when we use chips is also a non-quantitative decision, in my opinion. We often take stuff like, you know, there will be double game weeks in future into consideration, which is very hard to tell to a, you know, solver. So, but yeah, chip timings are very crucial, which is not surprising. But yeah, data shows that, that, that assumption or understanding is true. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a good account to follow for chip strategies and recommendations is also uh, Ben Krellen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people are following him already. So yep. shout out to Ben mm-hmm. every season doing amazing work. Thanks yep, for that. Um, so yeah, what what have you learned then from your analysis? Uh, a few things. So the number one is, I mean, this goes without saying, but the most important chips are wildcards and free hit chips. Well, hopefully it will be on a single free hit this season. <laughs> but in t- in the teams I have checked, usually initial picks, I mean the game week one picks, uh, yeah. plus your two wildcards, plus two free hits this season. So it says five game weeks of decision making. It yeah. gave those players more than two thirds of their total points. And I think wow. this is also true for the field. So yeah. You are earning two thirds of the points based on the decisions you gave in a span of five game weeks, which is, you know, really impressive. It shows how important chips are. And it shows me that unless you are planning to wildcard really early, you also need to be very careful with your initial picks because they stay in your team for a while and you can't easily get rid of them. And so. For this purpose, I am also planning to have a Twitter Spaces chat uh, towards the beginning of next season, just to discuss with people who are using my optimization model or similar optimization models to see what they are thinking in terms of which players to pick. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that was really a great finding. I saw you tweeting about it earlier this week, you know, about the importance of the the wild cards and, and the game week one pick. I think, mm-hmm. that, that, I mean, it was the first time for me that I saw that kind of analysis to to prove how important it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think you know that, that was a that was a big one. So thanks thanks for sharing okay. that. Sure. Um, yeah, and I think game week one. I was thinking about it a little bit already, also before this podcast, uh, because I think what could make it a bit more difficult this season is that the the Premier League already starts on August sixth, which I think is related to the World Cup, which take mm-hmm. will take place in November December. So the you know, season will start a bit earlier, but the transfer window only closes on September first. So it yeah. means that, you know, there are still new players that can come in mm-hmm. after you made your, your game week one selection. Um, so, you, yeah, for everyone, for all the managers, it's something to consider as, uh, yeah, I think we have to build in some flexibility into our plans to avoid having to use an early wildcard. Did, did you consider that already as well? That's a really good point, actually. I haven't thought about that in detail, but, yeah, probably that will be a huge thing when we are planning our you know initial picks um my plan would be creating a team with fairly safe options in that case because hopefully i will use my free transfers for the new transfers that teams are <laughs> getting so there's not much you can do about it no. anyway so because like it could be the other way around maybe new transfers will come but they won't be good picks anyway in terms of fpl yeah. purposes so yeah and, and i think usually you know the big teams will make their transfers earlier on i think mm-hmm. it's i think what most often happens if teams have a bad start then you know they might consider to to buy another player <laughs> to uh to you know to improve their their performance yeah uh, but yeah you never know indeed let's see yeah that's true that's true yeah so hopefully i mean safer picks will serve better in that case mm. um and number two about my findings is uh, I also have generated a regression model based on chip game weeks when you use your uh, chips. Um, To put into simpler terms, I have tried to predict points based on which game weeks you have used your chips. And I have noticed that there's an interesting amount of correlation between when you use your chips and then how many points you have collected. Obviously, there are some outliers in each chip strategy. There will be people who use the exact same strategy but ended up with much higher points or much less. But for top managers, similar chip plans resulted with you know similar points at the end of the season, which is interesting. Okay. And uh, what, is the, what is the lesson we can learn from that, if there is one? Mm-hmm. So which game week you are using your chip is very critical. So it can shape your season to a great extent, which we probably know already. But it was Mm -hmm. interesting for me to see, you know, how big the impact is. I will say almost 80% of your season is defined based on when you are using your chips, especially at the the high ranks. Okay. So instead of using it because you are raging about two or three players in your team, try to see positive and negatives of a plan and try to stick to it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, well, if you're not sure, try to follow the crowd, see what p- other people are thinking about, you know, when, is it, when it is a good time to wildcard. For example, yeah. wildcard eight was a good decision last season. 
and it is what most managers did so and it might hmm. be good to, a good idea to utilize optimization a bit to see you know when it's uh, it's optimal to use a chip it's uh, a good recommendation <laughs> <laughs> and number 3 is um loss of similar decisions within mini leagues uh, so I assume it is based on people talking to each other about their plans. Right. So they are usually friends and they discuss, which is, again, a little bit surprising too because you are also competing against each other. But yeah, yeah I have noticed that in within mini-leagues, uh, people tend to decide similarly. So okay. And it also makes my life a little bit more difficult because I was trying to compare performance of mini leagues, but sometimes, you know, they collectively perform really well or it just goes the opposite direction because they are oh, okay. giving similar decisions. So That's interesting. Yeah. So who you are talking to kind of affects your season quite a bit. So if your friend is wildcarding or bench boosting or whatever, you kind of think similarly. You kind of, you know, convince yourself to do it, which is, you know, something you should be aware at least. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, thinking about the mini leagues I'm part of, we're not really sharing that kind of information. I must say, I think mm-hmm. you indeed, as you yeah. said, you try to, uh, yeah, follow your own strategy. But yeah, on the other hand, I think many of us are on Twitter, where also a lot of advice is being shared. So that that could have an influence as well, of course. Yep, that's true. Yeah. And the next one is, this is something I regret, although people might find this a bit controversial, um, is using my second wildcard pretty late in Game Week 34. Mm. I used it to maximize the point potential from Bench Boost in 36. But in my opinion, so this is a general opinion, not specifically for this season, but also for yeah. any any season, that the wildcard mm-hmm. should split your season in roughly three equal parts to maximize okay. your value obtained from them. Because obviously you are picking 15 players at the beginning of the season. So yeah. ideally, so the second or first and second wildcards should be around, you know, after every 12 or 13 game weeks. I mean, yeah. wildcard 8 was a good decision due to fixture shift, which is also, yeah. I mean, very important in my opinion. But yeah. I kind of regret not using my wildcard a bit earlier because I simply didn't have enough game weeks to benefit from my picks. It was too close to the end of the season. Right. Yet I I took hits, which which is interesting. And yeah, yeah my team That's suffered. That's for the second wildcard, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, even though it's often said that the wild card should be used in combination with with bench boost, so I think that's also why many people hold on to it longer because many of the double game weeks happen towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, did you find any proof of that 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 using wild cards plus bench boost together is is an optimal strategy? So I tried hindsight optimization last year last summer it was last summer and i was actually optimizing the year before Um, oh yeah so i noticed that using wildcard and bench boost very close to each other was optimal i mean and we know it from other other tests too but in my opinion it is only optimal in hindsight so if you know which players will score big then you can use your wildcard and bench boost 
very close to each other and sometimes mm. it is optimal to use Bantry Boost in game week one and using an early wild card to get rid of those you know expensive players in your bench yeah and but when you are optimizing for future game weeks it is a little bit more challenging because bench boost specifically can disrupt your plans a lot so you yep. take hits or you you can carry a big amount of money in your bench every game week even though like some of those players who will be in your lineup will have you know bad fixtures so yep. yeah so te- theoretically yes so wildcard and bench boost should be used fairly close to each other but yeah i'm still thinking if bench boost kind of clouded my judgment there yeah okay yeah bench boost in game one that's some something that comes up sometimes huh yeah and not too many people use it and no. I'm, I'm sure I, I won't be using it too but yeah i always respect people who you know yeah <laughs> who does it. i think the difficulty also in game week one you're still a bit unsure about the you know the starting 11s of all the teams and you yeah. don't know yet who's in form who's not so that's a bit also a risk in game week one. But that's true, yeah. I see the point of, you know, getting it out of your way, the bench boost. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to worry about it anymore. Yeah, that's true. And finally, so the last point is I noticed that around 80% of the total points people obtain are within seven game weeks of acquiring players. So by this, what right. I mean is you buy a player. It could be an initial pick, a transfer or wild card. So... Mm-hmm. You get points the first game week, right? And then the second. So it, that if that player keeps staying in your squad, you keep collecting points, obviously. So within that seven game weeks period, you yeah. earn 80% of total points of the entire season. So, and I think from an earlier episode, someone asked us, you know, how many game weeks in advance you should be planning. So, and yeah. because of this split, I think you need to check at least or around seven game weeks when when you are planning to buy a player and okay. that's true for wildcard and initial picks too although i mean if you look longer it's probably better but at least seven okay. game weeks is good all right good point okay well great analysis thank you for sharing all of that as as always and uh, yeah it gives us good insights for the next season uh, it stresses the importance of spending time on our game week one selections. As from what you said, it's clear mm-hmm. now how important those those first decisions are. Uh, now let's look at some of the received questions as some of those relate to what we've just been discussing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, regarding the game week one picks, uh, FPL uh, Jeffe, I guess it's called, or FPL <laughs> Jeff could also be. Uh, he asked, is Haaland essential? A short question uh, and a nice one to start with. And I was thinking maybe the other way to look at it is, can you risk leaving him out of your team? Because I think a lot of people will go for him. Uh, so yeah, it's still early to talk about it, but what are your first thoughts about it? Oh, So I was listening, Andy, of Let's Talk FPL, and he thinks Haaland will be around 12.5 million and will be a forward. So he will be expensive for sure. There's there's no doubt about it. And so the problem with Haaland, obviously, he's a (laughs) city player and rotation 
we don't know much about it and i really have no idea and so i was thinking of going with safer options this season at the initial game week and even though i last season i started with mahrez if i remember mm-hmm. correctly so Haaland is very expensive and so that that's that's the reason why i don't think he will be essential because of the price but mm-hmm. obviously it will depend on the fixtures that city will have if there are no good fixtures within you know first game weeks for cheaper players yeah. that you can spread the money around um then he will be a good pick for sure i mean he's a promising pick but not essential in my opinion and okay. so for expen- for expensive players i think it is much more important to have a consistent projected points uh for yep. for the future game weeks and i really can't trust pep like i don't know <laughs> what what do you think no we cannot trust pep no <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i also i said in a previous episode that i always try to be careful with picking players who are new to the league oh, that's true. uh we've seen that in the past as well how sometimes you know big names came in from other leagues uh, but they struggled during the first months uh, in the Premier League. Um, some some most recent examples that come to mind are Werner and and Havertz, mm. who were considered also as as must-haves when when they joined Chelsea. But you know that didn't go too well, at least mm-hmm. not at the start. Um, but you know I think Haaland could be of a different level. Uh, you know he's very talented. He, he scores goals everywhere. You know not just for his team but also. Uh, for his country mm-hmm. and also considering he's joining the, the top team I mean it sure sounds like uh, a must-have uh, but yeah but let's see we don't know his price yet and as you said he also tends to struggle sometimes with some injuries uh, so those are a few things to keep an eye on mm-hmm. and uh, yeah I think in the end it might come down to deciding between Kane and, and Haaland for for the premium mm-hmm. striker spot uh, you know, if if that's your strategy to have a premium striker, as uh, they'll likely be around the same price point. And you know, if that's the case, fixtures can can play a role. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, we'll need to wait if Salah will be classified as a midfielder again, or maybe you know he might be an attacker now. You know, you you never know. You think FPL will change it? I don't know, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> looking at uh, the lineups of Liverpool every every you know every week, Salah mm-hmm. is is is, a, is an attacker, right? He's not That's a midfielder, true. so so yeah. it's a bit strange that an mm-hmm. FPL is a midfielder. But yep. yeah, so yeah, no, no. Sometimes they make those kind of changes from one season to the next. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, the next question is from at JDD1. Hope I pronounced that correctly who talks about team value and what the best time is to make transfers during a week to optimize your team value. Now, that's an area where I can still make some improvements, I think, as as team value can matter, uh, especially to build it up during the start of the season. Uh, would, would, would you agree? Well, you're right. Team value is an imp- in- important and interesting aspect of FPL as a mathematical problem, I should say. Uh, in NAPSEC optimization problems, the more budget you have, it is obviously better. Yeah. And so team value hurts people later in the season too. That's also correct. So there's a little bit of a trade-off here. To increase your team value, you need to act fast and early in right. the game week. 
And so there are usually players who are dropping in price. And so if you have those players, you need to sell them early. Mm. Price increases Mm -hmm. are not super critical, I think. Uh, but okay. especially at the early season, prices change a lot. So I know people who are using their first wildcard very early to build team value so that they mm-hmm. can buy those players who are, you know, hyped or being purchased right. uh, to build their team value for, you know, later season. But yeah. I think that's suboptimal in my opinion. Well, I didn't have yeah. good team value, so I might be biased in <laughs> saying this, but I don't think team value is... I mean, super critical. If you are picking correct players, and hopefully they are, and hopefully they are performing well, your team value will go up anyway. But yeah. I think if you are about, if you are planning to sell a player, and if that player is already about to drop in price, I think those are some of the times that you can use your transfer early. But other than that, yeah. I will probably suggest waiting until deadline or close to deadline because the information you get just by waiting is often more valuable than your team yeah. value but i don't know what what do you think yeah i mean uh i know that the the much respected fpl general <laughs> in mm-hmm. his podcast he always mentions that that he waits until the last moment to make transfers so and indeed as you said because mm-hmm. then you can uh, you know make use of all the the information available also from press conferences uh so yeah definitely it's a sensible strategy especially during busy weeks when there are cup or uh, champions league games mm-hmm. but yeah as you said it does mean you could have missed some of the price changes during the week um and then there are several websites that are quite good at predicting the the daily price changes Mm-hmm. So it's something you can use to your advantage, and um, yeah, I think for me next season I'll try to benefit a bit more from it uh, to optimize my team value during mm-hmm. the first weeks or months of the new season. Um, yeah, it might give me some advantage later yeah. on. So, do you think it's a good idea? Just double yeah, checking. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think team value aspect. Right. Uh, I mean, is important. Sometimes a little bit overrated, but it's uh, important and. I haven't checked this claim with data in detail, but building good team value to fit more premiums later sounds like a viable strategy to me. Okay. Then a question from at boybkk, mm-hmm. and he asks if we're going to do an episode about building your own data and analysis to pick players. Uh, I think you actually shared some tutorials about that online already, didn't you? Yeah, I have some tutorials for picking players, especially that aspect, you know, how to use optimization. Uh, But that part uses an existing prediction data. I think the first part of the question asks for building a prediction model, as far as I understand. So I haven't done anything on that aspect for FBL purposes yet. I'm not planning much, too, because there are already some people who are spending their time on it. Yeah. But, I mean, I will definitely recommend people to give it a try. If nothing, you will be learning about, you know, really cool concepts of predictive modeling, such as machine learning. Mm. I mean, maybe we can invite someone to talk about it because it's not really my expertise, but I will be happy to hear about it too. Like, I can ask questions about it. And if people are Mm. willing to share some of their secret sauce, (laughs) I mean, it's always fun to listen. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, let's consider that. It's a good idea. Then another question. This one is from FPL Strabo, and he asks if it's better to maximize your spend every week to have all your cash out on the field, let's say, or whether it's better to leave some cash in the bank to make future transfers just a bit easier. Um, and that's another great question. Uh, I'm not sure if there's one answer to it. Yeah. Uh, I think it very much depends on, on on your game week one selection and of course also your your future transfer plan. Um, planning ahead can make the difference uh, as as always. And in general, I always try to have some money in the bank to give me more flexibility. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, it could also well be that I'll spend the full hundred million in game week one if I just think it will make my my starting squad better. Uh, so yeah, difficult to answer it. But uh, yeah, how about you? Is is there any kind of optimization strategy that that can be applied here? Yeah, thanks, Strabo, for the question, and I I agree with you. It's really hard to answer, and using your resources fully will probably give you a better team. Usually, the optimal team uses almost the entire money. But FPL's price mechanism makes things a little bit interesting. Last season, I have given a positive incentive to my solver to keep some money in the bank. Okay. Uh, I think it was around 0.2 points per million. So that I mm-hmm. was adding that as an incentive while I'm like optimizing. Because obviously, if you have some money in the bank, it gives you more flexibility. Yeah. But then I was thinking about it. Probably the money you have in the bank is the shouldn't give you a linear benefit like if i have Mm. one million that's good but if i have two million is it you know two times better probably not Uh, so so i think there's a threshold that's good to have in the bank and i will actually test that idea a little bit um, before the next season starts to see you know what's that threshold amount that that could have been better to give the incentive And also someone in Twitter suggested rewarding some of the players who have alternatives to buy. For example, if you are buying a player for, let's say, 8 million uh, pounds, and if there are other replacements in case that player gets injured, so you should also give some incentives to Solver to that, pick that player because you know mm-hmm. that there are a bunch of alternatives exist so that right. if... He gets injured, you can easily replace him. So right. thinking from that perspective, I think if you have fixed the amount you have in the bank, then mm-hmm. actually you can give incentive to those players who are around the same price or a little bit higher too. So it will give yeah. you more flexibility. So yeah, flexibility is a little bit difficult as a concept, but I will I will try some ideas before the next season starts. Okay, all right. So yeah, in short, we are suggesting to keep some money in the bank. I think we can yes. summarize. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Little bit right. is good. A yeah. little bit. All right. Okay, then uh, the last question from FPL Apollo, the last question for this episode. Uh do you think that previous season data is important at the start of the new season or is it better to build a team depending on EO percentage? That's effective ownership, mm. if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> this mm. might not be a short answer, I'm afraid, but uh, Sir Top, please start. <laughs> yes, EO is effective ownership. It is ownership amount plus captaincy. 
so there are usually right. polls before the game week starts, so we know that which players will be preferred as the captain C option. Yeah. Um, to answer the question, I think it's a mix of the two. So I have received a very similar question uh, one or two weeks ago. So I think the previous season data is... Well, it might not be that reliable if there's a structural change in a team. So yeah. if we are talking about a player who is fairly nailed, on the other hand, I should say, so meaning that if there are no risk in minutes, then the last yeah. season data, and therefore the prediction data, might be good to look at. Yeah. Um, so reliability on those cases should be fairly high. But if we are yeah. talking about a player who's new to the league, <laughs> just like we talked, or yeah. at least has speculative minute prediction. I mean, if it changes from one model to the other, I will probably follow ownership rate to see where the public opinion lies. Okay. So, I mean, mm -hmm. just to see what you know people in general are thinking about an option. And sometimes, yeah. I mean, it could go wrong, but sometimes, I mean, you get the wisdom of the crowd, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what do you think, Bas? Uh, yeah, uh, similar. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> uh, yeah, is the information from previous season important? I mean, on the one hand, yes, for sure. Um, I think if if any manager joins the game for the first time and you know doesn't know anything about what happened last season and who the key players were, then I think it will be quite d difficult to pick the right players. You know, people uh, or or players like Trent, Kane, Salah, Cancelo, etc. Uh, you know, they all scored a lot of points and likely will be essential again in the new season. Mm -hmm. So I think yep. uh, with that in mind, the, definitely the, the the data from last season uh, matters. On the other hand, you know, one season can also be different from the next. Uh, there's also something which, which we call form. Uh, I think we've seen that in previous seasons as well. You know, someone could have scored a lot of points in one season, but then much less in the next I'm thinking, for example, of uh, Lord Lundström, who scored a lot of <laughs> points, and then the the season after it was it was much less. Um, so overall, I would say previous season data is important. Um, and another thing to add to it, from my perspective, regarding effective ownership, I think it's not a bad thing to start the season with quite, let's say, a template team, as as you don't want to get too much behind during the start of the season. Uh, as you said, you know, it's not a bad thing to follow the crowd sometimes and make sure you're getting some of the essential players in your team. Mm -hmm. At least that's that's what I'm planning to do this time, uh, <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything you wanted to add, sir, Top? Yeah, on that note, just to clarify, I think prediction data is more reliable during mid-season because you know, you know what the team structures look like and, well, yep. managers are less likely to experiment with their squad, so... In early season, prediction data might be a little bit off. So I will try to combine minute prediction from a few sources. I don't mind ownership mm. ownership rates that much, to be honest, when I buy or sell right. players. But I think it's a good measure to understand what the wisdom of the crowd says. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I think that wraps up episode five for us. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks, everyone, again for the questions, and thanks for listening. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get notified uh, when the next episode comes out or follow us on Twitter. For me, that's at BelfiBB and for Sirtop, it's at Sirtop Bilal. Thanks again. Enjoy the break and see you back next time.